Uh, today's reading comes from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 liters. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after. The guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Chari. Good evening, everybody. My name's Andy. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. And can I just add my own welcome to you, especially if you're new or if you're visiting us uh, tonight. Let's pray now as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, God of abundance, we pray that uh, you would pour out your spirit and speak to us and change us and lead us from your word tonight as we consider your calling on uh, us as your family, as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh man, do whatever he tells you. Uh, Jonathan asked me to preach tonight on uh, responding to God's call on our lives, and I've just found myself drawn back uh, time and time again to these words of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So bold, so confrontational, but at the same time so invitational. Do whatever he tells you. And Jonathan's already said, but it was Vision Sunday last week, um, and Jonathan uh, kind of presented uh, where we feel that God is leading us and calling us as a church community and family here at St. Paul's uh, for the next season. Do you go and check that out on our YouTube channel. Um, the kind of cliff notes uh, are the purpose that we feel God is calling us to as a church is following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. The words up in the bricks, up there in the ceiling. And our vision is this, that together with others, to give everyone in the area a meaningful opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus by Easter 2033, which is at the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, 
Um, the word area there is quite vague. That's because we're still sharpening that up. But that's the kind of, that's the game plan, as it were, for the next 10 years. And next week is Commitment Sunday. Uh, so at that point, we're going to be asking all of us to commit to how, what part we're going to play in the next year and in the next season um, in that vision. And of course, if you're just visiting tonight, uh, you're so welcome, and please do kind of hear this as, uh, as you and your church family think about vision uh, for the coming season for you. Um, so tonight is actually a really good moment between those two Sundays to deeply reflect and be really honest with God and with ourselves about what calling is in the Christian life, how it works and what it means for us. And so we come to our passage tonight, and the setting is a wedding in trouble. Jesus and his new followers um, are at a family wedding. Um, His mum's there and seems to be involved in the catering side of things. Uh, And a first century Jewish wedding uh, took place over several days. So if you thought that planning a 21st century wedding was complicated, imagine doing that for one that lasts a week. Perhaps there's no surprise that things started to run out halfway through. And of course, disaster strikes behind the scenes, doesn't it? The wine has run out. And the, the wedding in jeopardy is this classic trope, isn't it? We see it you know, in film and TV, and you probably have your own stories um, of you know, being in a wedding, and something starts to go wrong. And, and instinctively, we get it, don't we? Because the wedding day is like the one day that you really hope nothing goes wrong, isn't it? You really hope everything just goes to plan. Now, just to help us get a little bit into the headspace of this, I'm going to share just a brief story of a wedding I was at where something went wrong. I was at a wedding. I was a groomsman for a good friend of mine, and there was a problem early on in the day. So we were in the hotel, getting ready to go, and the groom's... Uh, the groom's trousers, the, the fly zip, broke in a really unfortunate way. <laughs> there, was, there was no way he was going to be able to, to go and get married uh, in this suit. And we, um, so we you know, tried calling the hotel reception. Like, I don't suppose you have a sewing kit? <laughs> or something. I don't know if we wouldn't have known how to use it anyway. But we, uh, they didn't have one. And, and we ended up jury-rigging something with um, safety pins to try... <laughs> Anyway, we, <laughs> that was the best we could do, and we got ourselves to the venue, and it was clear that that quick fix was not going to last. And I just, it will stay with me for the rest of my life. I remember all of us groomsmen, best man and the groom, huddled together in this disabled um, loo cubicle, so it's big enough for all of us, being like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, and eventually, we decided, we just we sort of checked our measurements, basically, and someone sort of took one for the team and swapped <laughs> with the groom, <laughs> the one who was the closest measurement to him. So we kind of muddled through, um, and, and it was okay. But of course, here, Jesus completely saves the day, doesn't he? No muddling through when the Lord's in town. And so it's a messy situation, isn't it? And Jesus in this does something incredible, a miracle. And as I've been reflecting on it, I think equally incredible is that he chooses and calls on ordinary people to be part of it. And it's how he worked then, it's how he works today. So Jesus has a call for you 
in this season of your life. He has a call for us as his church family. And let's, it's worth seeking him for. And, and I believe that the, the experience of those servants speaks very deeply to us about what Christian calling looks like today. So I've got three points we're going to go through, and they form a sentence, and it's this. We are called together using what is at hand to be part of something amazing. There's the slides. I've taken some stills from The Chosen, uh, which is this free uh, kind of TV show. It's available online um, about Jesus' life, which is brilliant. You should check it out. And there's a Part of it includes the wedding at Cana, which is brilliant. And as you uh, listen, can I invite you to just consider how God might be calling you to be involved at St. Paul's or the church you're, uh, you're based at for the coming year and beyond. So, first point is this. We are called together. Shall we say that all together now? We are called together. Very good. Let's read uh, from verse 3. We've got, uh, got a Bible or a near one. Grab it, open it up to John 2. Verse 3. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. First thing to say is that when God calls you to do something, it's always going to be alongside other people. You know, it's going to be uh, in a group or in a team or in a church. There are no lone wolves in the kingdom of God. Instead, while there might be individual gifting, there's always corporate calling. Individual gifting, corporate calling. What do we mean by that? Well, individual gifting, that's you can do things that I can't do, and I can do things that you can't do. That's going to be the same for each one of us. Uh, and we each have different spiritual gifts, gifts that are given to us by the Spirit from God. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about it like this. The church is like a, the human body. There's different parts, aren't there? And they do different things, and the body needs all of them to work. You know, An eye is different to an ear, is different to a foot, is different to a hand. So you've got this individual gifting, but a corporate calling. We're called alongside others. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not at all to say that uh, if you're the only Christian in uh, your house or in your workplace or on your course, that you, you're not called to be a witness for Jesus. It's not that at all. But rather, it's that in all that we do for the Lord, we're always called in the context of being uh, with other people. And actually, this is baked into uh, the Greek of uh, Mary's statement there, do whatever he tells you. Um, if, you uh, if you just lifted that, that sentence out of the Bible with no context, in the Greek, it's really clear that it's meant for more than one person. Uh, this is one of the limitations of the English language. If you'll indulge me, just a little bit of grammar um, here. In the English, when we say do uh, whatever he tells you, that could, it's ambiguous, isn't it? It could be for one person, could be uh, 
for several. So if, you know, I could say, Tom, do whatever he tells you. Or I could say, everyone now, do whatever he tells you. Same thing. That's not the case uh, in the Greek. And that's really significant, actually. And we sometimes miss that. It's not just here. Sometimes we miss that because, you know, the word you in English can mean one person, can mean many people. So it's good to be just aware of that. But here, what Mary says is for a group of people. Obviously, she's speaking to the servants, not just one, but many. And this can be really difficult for us. We might kind of think, okay, that makes sense in our heads, but it can be really difficult in the atomized, individualistic culture uh, in which we live, that kind of air that we breathe is, is all about the self and about kind of me as the autonomous individual and how I relate to other in- autonomous individuals, right? But this is what serving Jesus looks like. It's together with others. And I don't know about you, but some of us actually quite like being lone wolves, I might suggest. You probably know uh, if that's you, based on uh, just how you respond, perhaps, to this, to, to what I'm saying here. If that's you, can I encourage you to seriously consider joining a team at church at St. Paul's? There's loads of different ministries. I think this is actually really important that we, we're not lone kind of agents. We're not James Bonds kind of going about doing stuff all by ourselves. We're called to be together. It's what Jesus calls us to. Do whatever he tells you. Here's the second bit. Using what is at hand. So how about we say it so far then? We are called together using what is at hand. Very good. Let's keep going in the passage. Verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. I think, oh yeah, there we have gallons there. Uh, also liters was uh, in Chari's reading. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. Jesus uses what is at hand. I love the sense of immediacy here. Uh, It's like no sooner has Mary said to these serving boys and girls, okay, whatever Jesus says, you do it, okay? Uh, Jesus goes, you see those jars over there? They'll do. He uses what is at hand. Uh, You know, the stone jars, they're not usually used for catering. It tells us uh, they're used for ceremonial washing. This is because the stone meant that it kept the water clean. Uh, so you could be sure that it was going to be pure when you were using it. Uh, But they are the perfect solution in God's hands uh, to the problem. And it's worth saying that it's not just here that Jesus does something like this, but time and time again we see him in the Gospels using what's at hand uh, for God's purposes. So, I mean, really obvious example, but feeding of the 5,000. There are five loaves and two fish. And you can just picture the disciples. I love in Mark's account of it, Jesus says to his disciples, you feed them. And you can just see them, can't you, going, Jesus, there's, there's 5,000, and that's men, plus women, plus children, and we've got five loaves and two fish. They're each going to eat a thousandth of this piece of bread. 
No, it's impossible. Uh, but Jesus says, they'll do, and they do. Or how about the healing of someone who's blind? And Jesus, uh, he spits in the, the ground, and he makes mud from the saliva and the, and the dust, and he wipes it, uses it to wipe on the person's eyes, and they're healed, they can see. It's like he looked at the ground and said, that'll do. Well, how about bigger picture? Jesus chooses 12 ordinary people, calls them to be with him, to follow him. They'll do. Jesus can take whatever is at hand and do something incredible with it. So how about for us at St. Paul's then? You know, the vision that Jonathan set out for us is a huge one. Um, you know, over the next 10 years to be part of giving everyone in our area, in our region, a meaningful opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus. That's not just post something through someone's door or get the megaphone out in the streets. This is, you know, this is giving people a meaningful, a real proper chance um, to, to understand and to respond to the gospel of God's love for them. And also it highlights a huge need, doesn't it? I mean, just in Leamington Spire alone, there are nearly 100,000 people. Um, and the area in, we have in mind is actually bigger, is bigger than Leamington Spire. Um, most of whom don't know the gospel uh, of Jesus' love and his grace. And it also highlights a huge challenge. Something that Jonathan shared with us last week was only 8% of people in the UK have a meaningful connection with a local church which means that the way we're doing church currently is, is not reaching the majority, the vast majority um, of the population uh, here in the UK. And when faced with such a huge vision and a huge need, I think it's easy for us perhaps to just want to kind of withdraw a little bit, to feel like, well, who are we uh, to be involved in anything like this? How can we aim so high? But so too was the need and the helplessness that was felt at that wedding in Cana. And through, the, through those servants' obedience to what Jesus told them to do, God met and he even exceeded, he massively exceeded the need that was there. So I've got two questions that I want to throw out to you for you to consider as, as each of us reflects on um, our own how we respond uh, to this vision at St. Paul's, uh, using what is at hand. And I don't know, you might want to write them down, or, um, or perhaps you can just remember them is fine. The first is this. What is at hand in your life that Jesus may be asking you to use? What's at hand? What's nearby? What's within reach? What skills, what contacts, what spiritual gifts do you have? What is it that you can do that others can't? Or how about this? When Jesus looks at your life, of what might he say, that'll do. That'll do for my purposes. That will do uh, to bring the gospel to that particular person or that particular area. I want to give... Uh, a small example. We've been, uh, Daniel prayed about the Alpha Away Day. We've been running Alpha here this term, uh, which has been amazing, just seeing God working uh, in lives of those who are seeking him. And um, I just have a, 
a bit of testimony to share about using what's at hand. There's someone here at church, she, that's called Beth. She comes to church in the morning, so she's not here. But I have checked that she's happy for me to share this. She has a real heart for Alpha, a real heart for um, helping those who are seeking truth uh, to find Jesus. Um, her circumstances mean that she's not able to kind of come and you know, help on an Alpha course every, every week. Uh, but one thing she can do is she can bake really well. And so what Beth has done is she bakes these amazing puddings, like desserts for us every week. Here's a picture of this is, the, this is like the grand finale of last term for Easter. We finished just before Easter. So if you look very carefully, you might be able to see some bunnies down at the side. Um, she cooked this amazing like Easter chocolate egg cake for us. And like... I am sure that this baking speaks volumes about God's abundance, about his beauty, um, about his love. I'm not kidding at all there. It has an amazing impact um, on those who come to Alpha. So this is just, I guess, you might think in a sense that's a small example, but actually it's something that God has really used very powerfully, and it's, it's just an example of how Beth has thought, okay, the, the alignment of where her heart is and where her skills are and where the opportunity is. So I just offer that. And also, uh, yes, we just love eating them each week. Here's the second question. The first question is, what's at hand in your life that Jesus might want to use? Here's the second one. Where's an area that you can be investing in now to reach people for Jesus in the long term? You know, first, we might think, okay, well, we'll just kind of grab the things that are easy to do now, and that's fine, that's good. Um, But let's remember that those stone jars, so they held, well, together, they held at least, at minimum, 450 liters of water. Now, in the first century, uh, you couldn't just go to the kitchen, turn on the tap. That's not how it worked. You'd have to go and draw, probably draw water up out of a well. Probably took these servants hours to do this. And you think when there's a crisis, the wines run out. I don't know if the temptation was, why are we drawing out water? Why this is going to take ages? And can't we just run around the village and I don't know, see if someone will lend us some or something? But instead, this is what Jesus was doing, and it, it took time and it took effort. So what can we, what is there that's at hand that just might need a bit of investment? This vision we have is for 10 years. What's something that might pay off in years' time? Just two questions for us to kind of pray through and consider. Do whatever he tells you. And here's the third one to be part of something amazing. So let's say the whole sentence together now, okay? We are called together using what is at hand to be part of something amazing. Ah, yes. It's one of the joys of the Anglican church. We're very good at saying things together, aren't we? Um, So here's the sentence all together. To be part, the reason is to be part of something amazing. Now, we all know how the story ends, don't we? Here's verse 8. Then Jesus told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. 
They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Through following Jesus' call, those serving girls and boys got to be part of something amazing in God's kingdom. And at St. Paul's, we want to be part of an amazing move of God. We have good news for our region, don't we? We serve a God who turns ordinary water into exquisite wine, who takes what little we have and multiplies it beyond our expectation, who takes an ordinary life and makes it overflow with love and grace. There are 10 years until that 2000th anniversary of the resurrection. Let's make them count. And would it be that we so overflowed from this place that the whole of the area that God has called us to might uh, see Jesus' glory, even as Jesus' first disciples did on that day in Cana, Galilee, all those years ago? Those servants got to serve the best wine in history. And we have the best message in history, don't we? A message of freedom, of forgiveness, of healing, of family, of relationship with the triune God. Here's what J.C. Ryle wrote, 19th century uh, bishop. He wrote this, It is ours to fill the water pots. It is Christ's to make the water into wine. It's our job to fill the water pots, and it's Christ's job to make that water into wine. All that Jesus is calling us to do is to take what's at hand and to offer it to him. Uh, We trust him with our gifts, our opportunities, our passions, and he transforms them beyond our wildest imaginings to do good in his kingdom. I want in on that. How about you? I want in on that. As we were praying before the service, we... uh, one of, the, um, one of the team had a picture of uh, someone on their knees before Jesus, hands out and offering him just a few small coins were in their hand. And there was this real sense that, well, I suppose what I've just said, a sense of this is so little, I guess a feeling of helplessness and of inadequacy. And yet Jesus takes those coins and makes it into, uh, you know, a fortune, <laughs> multiplies it, and that sense of God taking what we offer and just multiplying it beyond our expectations. Do whatever he tells you. We're going to have a, just a time to respond now. Um, we're going to pray, then we're going to worship. And then we're going to come to receive Holy Communion together. And can I encourage you, invite you to to see all three of those as a way of responding uh, to God's call on your life tonight. That's something that's together with others. That's using what's at hand to be part of something amazing. 
Let's pray. I'd like to invite you to stand uh, with me. And if the band would like to come um, back up, we're just going to pray really simply now. We're going to have a time um, of quiet just to ask God to come and lay on our hearts so that we can do whatever he tells us. Um, so let's pray. You, you might want to hold your hands out in front of you just to, as a posture to receive uh, from the Lord. So I, I pray, uh, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and speak to each one of us now. <clears throat> 